Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. This is Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby, and today's guest is Cam McCarroll. We talk about a little bit of everything. We talk about real estates, we talk about Costa Rica, we speak on the current state of the market, and also Bitcoin, and probably one of the first discussions on Bitcoin that I've had on this podcast, and Cam is definitely very knowledgeable. So Cam McCarroll is a real estate investor, has been investing for a while, is also a realtor. And we have, you know, lots of great conversation about many different things. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Before we bring in Cam, though, let's bring Dahlia in for this week's tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As we navigate through challenging market conditions, particularly the fluctuating interest rates, I encourage you to embrace a long-term mindset and consider strategies that will not only help you persevere during the present circumstances, but also lay the foundation for future success. Whether you're approaching a renewal and are unsure of what turn to take due to market uncertainty, or if you're aiming to successfully structure a purchase or simply assess where you are currently to identify opportunities to save, enhance cash flow, write the market cycle, smartly line up capital to scale or plan your next phase of growth. My team and I are here to guide you. We are here to help you navigate this new environment that we're in with confidence and with clarity. You can always lean on us and email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to help. Talking about playing the long-term game, we're seeing more and more investors step into multifamily investing, and particularly apartment buildings of five or more units. They're using the burst strategy to renovate, increase the rents, increase the value, and eventually refinance with CMHC. And we're seeing more and more deals go towards the MLI Select program. I want to share with you today six money strategies that you can tap into to acquire and renovate an apartment building. And in the next series of episodes, I will be digging deeper into each of these strategies and I will guide you through when to use the strategy and what to watch for. Here are the six money strategies to acquire and renovate an apartment building. Number one, unsecured financing, which is what's referred to in the investment community as promissory notes. Number two, private money or private mortgages. These are loans that are secured in first or second position on the building you're buying or on the rest of your portfolio, one or more properties within your portfolio. Number three, vendor takebacks, which are often interest-only loans that you can negotiate with the seller of the building and you can negotiate it in first or second position. Number four, bridge financing, or what I refer to as a bundle loan to acquire the building and to renovate it. These are also interest-only loans. Number five, traditional financing. This is where you would assume an existing mortgage on the building, or you can apply for a new traditional mortgage. And under this option, you would be paying principal and interest. And lastly, money partners, which entails 
raising capital from others who want to invest with you, either under a corporate shareholder structure or under what's referred to as a GPLP structure. Unsecured financing, private mortgages, and vendor takebacks is what's referred to as creative financing. And you'll find that your most expensive and riskiest type of money is unsecured financing. And as you move away from that into other money strategies, typically your cost and risk will go down. When it comes to equity money or raising money from others, that's what I call patient money. That's the type of money that is going to give you some breathing room to focus on turning the building around without the debt clock ticking on you. However, it may cost you in the long run, depending on how you structure your deals with your money partners. So how do you know which of these strategies to use to acquire and renovate a building? Well, it all depends on the capital resources available to you at the time of acquisition, your risk appetite, how much upside is there in the project for the risk and cost of money you're taking? And can you achieve your repositioning targets within the timeline the money strategy offers you? For example, if you don't want to go out there and raise capital, and if you don't have much to inject into a deal, then you will have to tap into the creative strategy. My point is, your situation is unique. Your project is unique. You are unique. Do not, do not jump into a strategy because it sounds cool or because everyone is talking about it. Fully understand what you're stepping into. Run them out. Be conservative in your assumptions. Be conservative in your timelines. Be conservative in your budgets. And engineer your money strategies going into the deal with an understanding of how you will pay that money back and what your exit strategy looks like. There are many moving pieces to structuring financing successfully on multifamily properties. My team and I will help you determine the best financing structures to acquire, renovate, and exit a deal. And most importantly, mitigate the risks of the common money setbacks that we've seen investors experience as they step from residential to multifamily, or as they try to scale up their existing multifamily portfolios. You can email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to learn more about our complimentary multifamily level up program and to book your strategy session. I've also curated over 25 hours of multifamily content valued at $1,500 as part of my Multifamily Insider where you can get exclusive access to investor interviews, property walkthroughs, deal, deal, deal analysis videos, exclusive lender interviews, and expert interviews on risk management, property management, appraisals, as well as our advanced debt coverage calculator. You can access it at www.leveluptomultifamily.com, all one word. Thanks, Dahlia. Great tip for this week. And guys, reach out to Streetwise Mortgages if you haven't yet. I know they've helped me tremendously. On that note, guys, enjoy the podcast. Cam Carroll, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks very much, Sarah. Great to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. I'm happy to have you here. I mean, you've got lots of different, you know, knowledge in different asset classes. And I think we're going to talk about that today. 
along with some really cool investments outside of the country. So before we get into all that good stuff, though, maybe give my listeners and viewers a little bit of information on your background and, uh, and how you got started. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, in, as far as real estate goes, I've been a real estate investor since about 2009 in Hamilton. You know, I've, I've been running a real estate team in the Hamilton area since, oh, often, you know, probably since 2015, I guess I started the real estate team thing. And so we've got, an, we've got a t team of six, seven people now, but been investing in Hamilton since 2009. Very cool. So Hamilton, and I think recently you started looking outside of the country. So ask why, what are the, some of the benefits of looking outside of Hamilton? Well, I think, you know, like I, outside of the country investing, I've just started looking into it. I, you know, I haven't, we haven't pulled the trigger on any projects yet, but we've been analyzing Costa Rica a lot right now, looking at different markets in Costa Rica. I've been going to Costa Rica since 2002, almost on an annual basis, numerous times. I'm an avid surfer and an ocean goer. So, you know, we spend a lot of time going down there and as a real estate investor in Canada, you often think when you're traveling, hey, wouldn't it be cool to like do something down here? Like why would, you know, and I think everybody who's a real estate investor has those thoughts That's from time to time, whether it be cottage country or, you know, <clears throat> tropical locations or wherever. And so that, that crossed my mind and it, and I guess it didn't, I didn't start getting serious about looking into it until I really sent out a message to my database and said like, hey, you know, I'm Actually, I should go back a little bit further. I, had a, I have a business coach who called me out on it basically in 2019. I said, I think that I'm going to like, I'd like to get a house in Costa Rica and start spending more time down there. And, uh, you know, it's 2023 now. And she says, Cam, what have you done about it? And I had done nothing about it. So I basically sent an email out to my database and said, I'm, you know, here's the deal. Like long story short, I'm looking to do some, a build in Costa Rica. And uh, would anybody be interested in doing that? You know, have you ever thought of owning some real estate in Costa Rica? And I got this really warm response and a lot of interest, like more than I've gotten in for any type of project that we've advertised for. It's interesting. You put the word Costa Rica in your email. Right. And it people get are fascinated by it. And I, there's something about Costa Rica. People are just drawn to it. And I think in, investing internationally in general. Why, so, so why do you think that is? I mean, I think I have some, some ideas, obviously, with, you know, the way that our economy is and in Ontario specifically, the rules when it comes to tenants and landlords. But, you know, maybe, maybe we'll hear your thoughts, though, about like, why are people, you know, I think more so today, if I had to take, you know, a guess and looking back at conversations and conversations with investors, I think more and more people are wanting to explore that versus even five years ago is out of the country. And let's just say cost mm -hmm. as an example, but well, let's hear yeah, your that's thoughts. A, that's a really good question, Sarah. I don't know that I know the answer to it other than, I mean, you know, the, since the pandemic hit, I think that there was a certain cohort of Canadians who, who beelined it for, co you know, for Central America or for Mexico or Florida or, you know, or Texas or wherever, you know, yeah. wherever you, they may have been drawn to for, you know, various reasons. And, Costa Rica has a history of being a very safe country and, you know, they have no military and they have this reputation of being an eco-friendly place and it's safe. And I think that the, you know, the goods are well known, like what's interesting about Costa Rica, you know, and I think that's, I think that's out there in the consciousness enough. Like, I think people are aware of it enough. And I think that maybe, maybe a backup plan is something on some people's minds in a way, right? Like maybe I want to have, and they recognize that there's people down in these countries having a good life and having a vacation rental and being able to get away and, you know, not just for, for the winter, let's say, but like maybe as a backup plan for some people. I know a lot of people have moved down to Costa Rica 
over the last few years. And we've also been looking at temporary residents. We've got our one-year temporary residents in Mexico. We're about to get our three-year residency in Mexico, and that's going to lead us to permanent residency. So, I mean, I'm a, a bit of a believer in having a few different, you know, I, I guess uh, options, right? In, in, Not all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. And I, and yeah. a lot of the, like the, one of the investors I'm talking with now, who's very interested in Costa Rica, he, exactly that, he wants to have his, some property internationally and he mm -hmm. sees there to be some value in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, and I think this year it was a lot of pivoting and figuring out, okay, you know, what people were doing before, what investors were doing before that seemed to work really well, may not work, you know, exactly the same as it was in the last, you know, little bit with the rates and everything increasing. And I think, you know, looking outside of the country has definitely been one of the pivot points that a lot of people have taken. You know, what else are you seeing, like other than investing out of country from a shifting perspective of what seems to be, you know, either working better today, people, you know, for example, like in Hamilton, right, or in, in many places, not necessarily just Hamilton, but before duplex conversions were the be all and end all and they worked so well and they cash flowed so well. And, you know, over time with the rates and everything like that, that didn't work as well. To, I don't think today, I think, you know, it might be three and four units today for commercial, you know, and I think pivoting in the last year has been instrumental for many people to be able to continue to somewhat create, you know, income, cash flow of some sort. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, we still have a lot of clients in our on our team. We focus on real estate investing. We always have, that's a bit a big part of our team in real estate in general. And the redevelopment side of things is becoming more popular. You know, we put on a, a, a seminar recently for redeveloping five plus units, five to eight, nine, 10 units from either residential or commercial or whatever, right? Just redeveloping. And it was widely attended. Like people were very interested in this, you know, the commercial to residential opportunities and just the residential development opportunities that exist out there. So I think that's one thing, but those are definitely not your beginner strategies. We're still transacting on the tri the triplex, the duplex, fourplex side of things. Like that's still part of people's, it's, we can still find numbers to make it work. I mean, the rents have come up so substantially. I think there's a bit of an anticipation that rates are going to come down and then these investments will do even better. I think that's probably an inevitability. I'd never want to promise that, but I mean, from right. our point of view, the central banks, you know, the money printing will occur again. It's just, it's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature in the system. You know, we have a, and we live in an inflationary environment and that inflation is it, meaning it's mandatory. Like, you know, so I think that you have to look at your, your investing almost as like, we put a video out recently. It was, you know, outrunning the inflation dragon, the idea of that we're all fighting this thing of inflation, right? Like if you're saving your money in cash, your dollar values are going down and you're not, your purchase power is going down. So investing is about maintaining your purchase power and those with access to assets are going to continue to do well they've done well and they will continue to do well and it's either you get involved in an asset class of some kind or you get poorer and as dramatic as that sounds that's it is the truth like yeah. there, there's really only two ways of navigating holding your value uh, that you've made right and that is you know various assets real estate stock you know for me, Bitcoin is a big one, you know, or, you know, other than creating a business, right? You have to, if you're going to hold your value, you've got to, you've got to be a participating in something that's going to go up over time. Uh, yeah. And 
assets will go up over time due to the inflationary nature of our system. I mean, I think people need to weigh their risk tolerance. And sometimes people are like, I'm so risk adverse and I just want to leave my money in this checking counter, the GIC. Well, that's mm. right, but with a seven or six percent inflation, yep. your money in a GIC making one percent, you know, one and a half percent. I mean, that means exactly what you're saying. You're, you know, depreciating the value of your money and your money is worth less tomorrow than it is going to be today. So, you know, where can you yeah. put it so that you can at least meet the inflation numbers or right. more. And I think a lot of like mutual funds aren't even that great anymore. You know, like no. a lot of, you know, people, unfortunately, you know, they're not all made equal to financial advisors out there. <laughs> and many of them make money by providing, you know, insights to putting money into mutual funds and things that like unfortunately benefit them. This is why I'm a big proponent of, you know, if you're going to hire a financial advisor, hire one for you know, pay up front and not in commission because that can cost a lot of money. But, you know, that may or may not be the best option, right? It could be, like you said, it could be real estate investing. It could be in Canada. It could be out of Canada. It could be Bitcoin. Let's talk about that for a bit. And it could be businesses. It could be different things. It could be, but yeah, absolutely. Like putting your money somewhere where you're not even making inflation. Yeah, I don't think it's really well known why, you know, we're all living in this economic system that when you're inside of it, you can't see it because we're all part of it. And it's like a, it's like an analogy of like a fish in water. You know, the fish doesn't know it's swimming in water. We don't know we're swimming in an environment where our savings are the value of our work, where we place the value of our work into monetary worth is being stolen every year. And, it, and to the tune of 2% or 3%, if they had their perfect system, right? You notice the inflation numbers in for central banks is not, it's not 0%. Mm -hmm. The target inflation rate is 2%. It's one to 3%, right? Yeah. And inflation is a silent theft, you know? And you know, one of my favorite authors, Jeff Booth talks about this. You'll, you, you wouldn't notice in, if somebody was in your house stealing 2% of your stuff. You know, mm -hmm. if somebody came in the night and stole 2% of your things in your home, you know, they were, uh, you probably wouldn't notice it, but no. when it gets into 6%, 7%, mm -hmm. like we're starting to, that's noticeable. Right. And the cost of things going up, it's mm -hmm. not just a, it's, there is a supply chain impact that's causing some of the inflation, no doubt for sure. But more money chasing fewer goods, it creates higher prices. And yeah. when the monetary system makes it, we have is we have a system that is, they're creating more monetary units over time right? That's a fact, right? They don't, they can create, you know, if you and I had, you know, a, a million dollars between us, I had 500,000, you had 500,000. And then they, there was no more money available. It was just you and I had that money, right? Yeah. And if they just went and, and turned it into $2 million overnight, well, what happened to our value? Did we get richer or poorer? Right. The answer is we got poorer by mm -hmm. 50%. Mm -hmm. So every time they create more monetary units, it's diluting the value of the dollar. Yeah, 100%. And they've done that a lot throughout the pandemic. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and this is why we're in a situation where we're at a very high inflation number right now in, in the situation. Right. It's one of the reasons. Yeah. And the debt in the world right now, $400 trillion is the total debt level, public and private, to create $100, million, $100 trillion in, in, in economic activity. And you know, owning real estate is to, after enough analysis, is the logical conclusion, is a logical decision. It's a logical thing to do in an environment where 
inflation is going to be a feature, which is a feature. Whether we like it or not, it's become a monetized, it's a monetized thing, right? And it's a thing we need to live in, but it's a thing that people are rushing to, to save their worth. So, you know, I mean, we can talk about Costa Rica, we can talk about Bitcoin, we can talk like... There's so many avenues, absolutely. But I'm just curious, like where, like, what are you specifically doing to mitigate for yourself and your portfolio, the inflation risk? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a moment and introduce you to one of my favorite paralegals, Andrew Chubetta. With over a combined decade of experience, Caveat LLP provides legal assistance for real estate investors and entrepreneurs, primarily practicing in the areas of landlord and tenant law. Caveat LLP is your one-stop shop when dealing with all of your tenant issues. Give them a call for a free consultation at 289 339 one three one one. That is caveat LLP. Andrew Chubetta has been instrumental in helping me as a landlord and as a real estate investor, and I'm sure he can help you as well. Again, that's 289-339-1311. And now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I allocate a I allocate to Bitcoin. It's a finite resource. It's it's secure. It's transferable. I mean, you know, the thesis around Bitcoin is a tough one to get through if it's new to your listeners. But once you do the research on it, when you start to, it, it, the case for Bitcoin is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we're living in a digital world. So I allocate it to Bitcoin. Okay. I'm working on moving most of my life to Bitcoin and living from that point of view, living from the point of view of holding your monetary worth in Bitcoin and then trans, transferring it to cash, you know, when necessary. So the, when you do that, it has the effect of, the prices go, are going down if you hold your value, if you hold your net worth, if you hold monetary value in Bitcoin, the world around you is getting cheaper. And the form of the deflation from technology is flowing to, to, to the value that comes from technology deflation is captured in Bitcoin, but it's not captured in dollar value. So when you live in a dollar system, which we all do, everything's getting more expensive. But in Bitcoin, it's the opposite. So transferring the value of your dollar to Bitcoin and then living in a Bitcoin world, the Bitcoin standard, some people call it, is a step out of the current system, not in an avoidance way, but just in a way of like holding your value and maintaining that value over time. Uh, And so that's, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to happen before you can understand that, oh, this is a good place to be, right? Like the, a lot of people have like a very, you know, derogatory view on Bitcoin. It's just, it's a speculative asset. It's a cryptocurrency. It's just like Ethereum, but it's not. It's very different than any other of the cryptocurrencies out there. It's, it stands alone. It's been the security SEC has given it a commodity status. Everything else is a security. So there's no one in charge of Bitcoin. It's decentralized. It's safe. It's secure. It's a monetary asset that can be transferred all over the world at any time through, it's a, you know, it's a digital energy. And all of these things plus more and the security of it will allow it to be something that you can hold your value in, transfer it anywhere in the world. And uh, it's not manipulated by any one person, right? There's nobody, it's not centralized. So there, you can't create, there's not, they're not going to create more of it. There's 21 million. That's all there's ever going to be. And that is, you know, there, you can create more real estate. You can find more gold. You can, that the stocks can be manipulated. Like they can do buy, but like there's a whole bunch of, like everything has some sort of centralized control to it, but Bitcoin stands alone as a decentralized asset that has no other counterparty risk. 
every else and everything else in the world has a counterparty risk, you know, mortgages on, on, on real estate, you know, companies and, you know, anything that's tied to the debt system. Right. So I think I would just implore, you know, like look into the benefits of Bitcoin and how it can create a very positive place for the future of the world. And I think that it's, you know, we all complain about the system, right? We all complain about how, well, this craziness. They're stealing our money and theft, inflation. We're, but what are we doing about it? And if you take a moment, do the research on it, learn from people like Jeff Booth, Michael Saylor, some of these pioneers who are really mm. building things on top of Bitcoin. Um, it's a very exciting, beautiful future that's available outside of the central bank system, outside of the centralized control, power corrupting, you know, like it, I'm, we, it, it takes a lot to get through most of this conversation, but I think Bitcoin is a very worthwhile endeavor to look into. If you okay. haven't read into it, definitely have a good read. I would start with The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth. Okay. Or maybe The Bitcoin Standard by Safe. The Coin Standard is a good one to start with. Yeah, no, that, that was actually going to be my next question is, you know, where does, because I don't know much about it, you know, and we hear, you know, we hear parts of it, bits and pieces and, you know, and it's just like, it's an, just like real estate, right? It takes a while to really learn it and understand it and, you know, figure out the strategy. I'm assuming Bitcoin is similar in the sense that you've really got to grasp, you know, the strategy and everything around well, you, it. You know, here's the thing, Sarah, like, I used to view Bitcoin as an invest as an investment, mm. but I, like it's it is, but it's so much more than that. It's actually a protocol which is can, you can build a new world on top of. I know that sounds really like you know airy fairy or whatever, but similar to how the internet was built, like CIP, when that was come when that was in existence, this network that was created, people thought you know okay this is whatever, no big deal. It's They couldn't see what was going to be available in 1985 and 1990 when it first came out. And then people started building on top of it. And then HTP came out and then we had websites and these things started to become more prevalent and, like, and then it grew and then Amazon and companies started getting involved and websites and information. And we had all of this access to, and it just turned into this and it's everything to us right now. And it's making things cheaper, like we're able to talk. I don't have to travel to see you. We can just talk over Zoom and that's technology. Bitcoin is technology and it's one of the, it's the most powerful technology that the human race has ever invented. And it will, it, and it's something that is being built on now. And it's the same level in terms of impact and maybe, maybe, maybe and probably greater in time than the internet was, but it, it contains monetary value. It's a network, it's digital. So we're in the early days, very early days of adoption of Bitcoin. And it's not so much that it's an investment, although it is, and there is monetary worth to the protocol. It's that you that, that there is a decentralized, secure protocol that people can build on top of. And that's what's happening now. And people are building applications and layer twos and layer threes on top of Bitcoin. And that's an exciting world because there's no manipulation there. See, what we all experience in our lives is manipulation of money. That's why we go to real estate. For, to hold our wealth. Right. What if you didn't have to go to anything to hold your wealth? You could just hold your wealth. You could hold your dollar. What if a dollar just maintained its value? And, you know, and there is a lot of hope there. And a lot of, we don't see it because we're all in this system. We don't see the opportunity and what the world could look like. 
But the books I've suggested, like Jeff Booth's The Price of Tomorrow would be the most impactful as far as I'm concerned. It has, it's had the greatest impact on my life. And I've read it three times now, I think. And some, you could read it multiple times, but every time it's a deeper layer. And it had an effect of scaring me a little bit on the real estate side. Because if this house of cards does come down someday, right. there will be a potential, like a deflationary moment where everything will fall to its utility cost or utility value, or the prices will fall to its cost of production. So, you know, real estate values in Canada are super inflated. Right. Right. And it, that's a system thing. The value is not different of a house in Florida versus a house in Canada. Mm-hmm. But yet we have these two different valuations going on, right? We have right. like one you know, houses that look like 300,000 in Florida, but they're like a, a million three in Canada, right? Like, and so that, you know, that's manipulation of money. And, and that comes from our monetization of property. I hope I'm not rushing. No, this is all really interesting. I like, I don't want to interrupt you because I'm like, we're getting so much information and just a whole different way to look at things. And I think it's, it is an interesting. And it also makes me realize that I've got to do some research on this you know, this other option as well, because I think it's important to, you know, I'm heavy into real estate, which I've like, it has worked so, so well. And I'm sure for the next little bit, it'll continue to do well and different strategies. But, you know, there is always something to be said, like it's, we're still trading in dollars at the end of the day. Yeah. And and we will. And I'm not, you know, like US dollars, it can be the, like, it's just, we're so early. Bitcoin is so early. It's, and, 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 you know, in in 10 years and 15 years and 20, like, you know, yeah. you just watch what happens around the world over time. And it's only been 13 years that it's been in existence. So uh, so that's the book to start with. And, you know, what are, let's just talk about like some of the downsides. Because again, from somebody that really knows nothing about it at this point in time, you know, you do hear that the value is going up and then the value is going down. And it seems like it still fluctuate, fluctuates a little bit. Maybe I just don't understand it. But, you know, right. what are some of the downsides? Yeah. Well, the you know, when you look at the price of Bitcoin, what you're, what we're measuring the price of Bitcoin against is the U.S. is the dollar, right? So when you take a, you know, when you take one, one, one Bitcoin, you know, and then in react, currently it's worth, I don't know, like whatever the number is right now, like 30, 30, approximately $30,000, you know, when it goes up in value, it's not going, it, the, a Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. And, you know, the, so the fluctuation is volatility. It's a, it is, there is a lot of volatility in the market. It is, it has, it's been actually pretty stable this year, you know, over the COVID years, like everything was volatile. We had this mm-hmm. massive real estate volatility, you had incredible price appreciation that was just fueled by cheap money. And, you know, the values are, you know, coming, have come off and they've come up, you know, and so Bitcoin is not, is a very, it is a very liquid. And so because of that liquidity, people, it, it, the, the price can fluctuate. So. I think that if you're having a short, if you're looking at it from a short-term point of view, like if you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get in and out, or I'm going to try to time the market, I just wouldn't, I, there's a downside there, you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that you're looking at it purely from a speculative point of view. I personally would encourage you to look at it from a store of value at minimum for long-term and at best thinking about it from holding your actual, like viewing v- viewing the world through a a Bitcoin system. Now, I imagine your listeners are going to be like, I don't even know what you're talking about when you say that. And so I think that if you back up and just consider that the dollar is pricing, you're pricing Bitcoin in a dollar, but, you know, Bitcoin has its own inherent value in in, in terms of like, you know, so I would not speculate on it, not, it's just, you know, use it 
Um, over time, there are applications that are showing up that we can start spending it. You can, you know, you can spend money with, you can spend Bitcoin. And as the network grows and it becomes more accepted globally, there's so much, there's so much money out there in the world, right? In, in terms of sitting in, in, in places that are, haven't discovered Bitcoin yet. Mm-hmm. And when, as that adoption occurs, it's instant, it's, it can, Bitcoin can contain a lot of it can handle a lot of monetary influx, like some money can keep coming into it. And so it's just the beginning, you know, there's price predictions on Bitcoin are, you know, they, it can contain millions, you know, like you, you'd, you'd be buying houses with very little of, you know, of it someday. But again, I don't really look at it from an investment point of view. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues, you can rent out a cabin, you can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only, it is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults and themes are really nice they're really upscale like you have like the beach theme you've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage hollywood and we are adding more every year but there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats your events your business meetings planning meetings all of that good stuff so check that out inspirebeachresorts.com now back to the show i look at it from a like a there's hope there. There's actually a fundamental shift in what's available to us as human beings to recognize the value that comes from technology and let that value flow to us. As, as And so prices will go down over time. Like, you know, and, and you, you, the price of Bitcoin goes up in dollar value. But if you hold your monetary worth in Bitcoin, prices around you are decreasing. And that's a paradigm shift. To get your head around that is, it requires research and time and you know that paradigm shift a lot is where you can it's not escaping a system it's a completely new system and it's a system that doesn't need a central bank to manipulate the money and you know again we're early yeah (laughs) why do you think it hasn't been adapted by so many people yet i mean like you know we hear about it but i think the general It's a mis- there's a misconception about its utility and what it's really for. People think about it as an investment only, and it's much more than that. It's like, it's truth inside. Of, like it, it can hold the, uh, an entirely new system. It can be the foundation, the base layer of a new system. And that's a big, that's a big idea. Most people don't think about right. it from that point of view, right? Like we're busy living our lives. We're doing our work every day. We're, you know, we're trying to go on a vacation. We're trying to pay our bills. You know, we're doing what we have to do, right? We're not spending, most people aren't spending the time to investigate what the actual true opportunity is inside of this technology. And a lot of people have done the work, like the guys I've mentioned, you know, or the, and the mm-hmm. people I've mentioned on, the, have written, you know, there's a lot of books written about it. There's communities about it. Now, do you, think the, gov- mo- do you think the government is doing it almost on purpose to not spread the word out and not put it out on... Uh, the government, they won't be, they're focused on, on, on the consolidation and control. I mean, like that's what their role is. They're all the same. The parties are all the same. They're all going to like, they all want to get elected. They all want to like, you know, they have to pander to the masses and for them to stick their necks out on something like Bitcoin is a risky idea because it's not yet widely. It, the adoption of Bitcoin comes from people recognizing value one at a time. 
Mm. one person at a time, one organization at a time, one company at a time. And it's, yeah. So it's not going to be like a top-down transformation. It'll be a, like a network effect transformation, similar to how the internet took hold, how the internet value occurred. It's similar to how cell phones became, it became value, right? When people move to value where they see value, Mm -hmm. right? Where the highest value is people, you know, you own an iPhone because of the value it provides you. It's got all these free applications. It's got all the technology that you could possibly want. It's better, you know, better than every other competitor out there, right? Arguably, right? Right. So people's energy and money and time go to the place of highest value. And Bitcoin's value is being understood by more and more people. And as that occurs, some people and the use cases become once the Bitcoin gets utilized in the economy more right now, it's just a layer. It's just a very boring, secure layer. And what's being built on top of that are use cases where people can start utilizing it for, per- for actual purposes, like spending it in, in stores and sending, you know, and applications being built on top of it, you know, social networks being built on top of the Bitcoin layer that don't require any centralization. There's a, I would encourage you to look at Noster, which is a social network built on the Bitcoin layer that is completely decentralized. There's no advertising. It's just, it's a platform on top. So it's a layer two protocol. So when the use cases become interesting, that's when people will start to like, oh, well, like, oh, and then I, you know, oh, I can just get into on this monetary network and you get this value from it. it and you know, maybe one day you can buy a house with Bitcoin. A hundred percent. Canada. I think I've heard somewhere that it was done. But not in this country, but you probably know more than this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe you'd have to transfer it into a checking account and transfer, you know, change it over to dollars. You know, I don't think we're there yet where you can just, it'd be nice because it could be settled in it instantly with no, no permission, no trust from anybody. It's completely trustless. So you would eliminate the need for any banking oversight at all. It's, it is doable, but it's still early, like I said. But. Maybe, maybe you could be the first one. You sell one of your, you buy one of your real estate deals with some Bitcoin. Well, you know, there's people who hold their, you know, pay their employees in Bitcoin and then it, 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 you can transfer it to, you know, the, your, your cash afterwards. And it's just about holding it. And it's a beautiful place. It's, there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of hope in the Bitcoin realm and you'll love it, Sarah. If you dig into it a bit, I suspect that, you know, given your, your investment acumen your value seeking acumen, you'll probably find a lot of interest in it if you're willing to do the work. I think it's just requires a lot of reading and understanding at the, in the beginning. So, same with real estate, right? Lots of reading, lots of listening to podcasts, books, you know, right? education and then taking action. So I'll, yeah, uh, you know, look at the books that you recommended and go from there. I mean, I think I just don't know enough about it, but it's like you're making it sound very interesting. (laughs) And 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 you don't want to look back 10 years from now and be like, it was early stages and it might be still early. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I mean, all I would say to your listeners and to you, just get off zero and and understand, you know, get off zero. So when when the monetary system debases, as it will, it's a mathematical fact you're going to want something that's going to have its own utility value and that you can take anywhere in the world with at any time and transfer. It's your passphrases. Nobody can confiscate it. It's like, yeah, it, it is truly currency for, for hope. So what about like gold and silver? Do you think that's the currency of the past? And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, today? 
For sure. Yeah. Bitcoin is a digital asset. We've never had such a thing. We've never had a fully decentralized, something that's called a commodity by the, you know, Gary Gensler of the SEC, right? Like the guy who makes the decisions for the US government about what is a security and what is a commodity. And it's Bitcoin's a commodity in his eyes. So this is the first time the human race has ever been able to have digital gold, essentially, and be able to transfer it anywhere in the world. And it's safe and it's secure and it's, you know, gold and silver is, you know, I mean, it's confiscated, it's mineable, it's, you can create more of it, you know, and it is a store of value, no question. Okay. All right. Awesome. I mean, I could keep asking you lots of questions, but we're at the end of our podcast. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'd ask you five quick questions, lightning round. Okay. Speed. You're going to give me, you know, first answer that comes to mind. You ready? Okay. All right. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Today, we discuss the midterm income analysis, seven steps, step six, how to determine if additional income is possible. Compare amenities and offerings of other similar and close by properties. Utilize sites like Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, and other platforms for furnished executive rentals to search, analyze, review their listings, and look up their calendars to see what is booked and what is available, as well as guest reviews. For more information on whether your property is right for the midterm strategy, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Question number one, what's your favorite real estate investing book? I'm going to have to say Don Campbell's Real Estate Investing in Canada, because that was the one that really got me back in 2009. So I'll say that one. All Shout right. out to Don Campbell. Yes, absolutely. Number two, not necessarily real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast? Anything with Jeff Booth in it. Okay. All right. Number three, what do you do for fun? Jiu-jitsu, surf. Okay. All right. My husband would love that answer because he's big into jiu-jitsu as well. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. He just got, nice. I don't know what belts, but he's been doing it for a few years. Awesome. Uh, number four, if you lost everything, all your assets, your money tomorrow, how would you start again? Gratitude. All right. Cool. First answer of that sort. And number five, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started in something real estate. I mean, it could be Bitcoin in this case. How would mm. you recommend they get started? 50000 to get investing into something? Yeah, to start the change of their mm. lives. Right. 50000 mm. It used to be a lot. And, when I, and I don't want to change yeah. it on purpose because when it, I started this podcast in 2017, it, it was a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 50,000 is a tough number these days. I think you need like a lot more. I mean, if you're just getting started, I would take $50,000, probably buy a rental with three units in it, something like that, move into one, house hack it. I think that would be, you know, the smartest use of your resources. I always I give that advice to people all the time. I wouldn't say put your life savings into Bitcoin. That would be irresponsible. I think it would be irresponsible for me to suggest that. I think that, you know, if you've done the research and you feel like it's something that you feel good about, like, don't take my word for it. You know, it's, that, that's a horrible investment advice is to do what I say, you know, like do your research. So I would house hack. Okay. All right. Great answer. Cam, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Uh, McCarrollgroup.com is our website for real estate. And I'm on, I'm on Twitter, cam.mccarroll. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on and I've learned a lot today, a lot about Bitcoin and I knew nothing about it. So, and I still don't know anything about it, but just even 
today it's a little step into the direction of probably going to now start at least doing a little bit of research to figure out if it's something to add to the portfolio. That's awesome, so, sir. That's how it starts. It, it does. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.